What's going on, everybody? My name is Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Ball Podcast. And today, we're doing another bra- band breakdown. Yeah, we are. But and I know you're excited I'm, I'm about I'm so excited it. for this one. <laughs> but before we hop into that, Matt, what have you been listening to lately? Other than our band of choice this week. D- true. Um, I actually found myself kind of jumping back into some old deathcore bands. You prompted it a little bit just be- by a mention. Well, um, obviously, it was a, it's a good choice then because I yeah, prompted it. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and also part of it is I follow the vocalist of the band on Instagram. So that was kind of another reason why. But Oceano. I've gone back to because Adam is an absolute monster of a vocalist. Mm-hmm. And I found myself going back to and not really loving as much as I used to Winds of Plague. I have gone back to them recently as well. And I have also found the same thing. I, what like era or songs were you visiting? So I have been listening to Winds of Plague since they really came out. Okay. And. Uh, I, I honestly, I went back their third album. Was it Against the World? That sounds right. That was like the big one for me back mm-hmm. when, back then. Um, so that was the one that I came back to. Okay. Um, yeah, it just feels boring. Yeah. The the couple songs, it was actually between uh, Great Stone War and Against the World. So it was like second, third album. Uh, but it was, oh, now I can't even remember the name of the song, but it was the song on uh, Great Stone War that featured Mitch Lucker, mm-hmm. which I always, I keep gravitating to because Mitch sounds ungodly on that song. And then it was Drop the Match from Against the World just because it's a really prolific opening. It's super catchy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, where and it, it starts with ch- Raise the Dead and, and uh, it goes into that? No, it's the when it starts the here we go, here we go oh, again. That one, okay. Yeah, and it kind of so is it's like after the, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, ooh, I haven't listened to this in a while. And I listened. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they kind of like, I don't want to say they kicked it off, but they, they definitely like had elements of like what new metalcore is doing nowadays yeah so that they had like elements of that to begin with and i feel like that's siri popping up on my watch weird oh, neat. Uh, anyway so it, it seems like that's kind of like what they started fronting a little bit mm-hmm. um it was kind of between them and emir was kind of like the new deathcore kind yeah, of thing i don't want to call them forerunners by any means yeah. but at the same time like they kind of did yeah they kind of are they, they did it before their time but nobody really looks back to them as as yeah. References for that. Yeah. No, that's fair. The only other thing is I actually returned back to Neon Grey from Dayseeker because apparently I'm a glutton for punishment. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, bud? Um, For me lately, uh, outside of just kind of just my normal listening cycle, um, I actually also went back a little bit. I went back and listened to uh, Creatures uh, by Motionless and White. Oh, okay. So you sparked that yeah. one on me last week. Uh, so that was kind of nice. I honestly, I forget how good of a vocalist Chris, Motion, Chris Motionless is. Mm-hmm. Um, to a disrespectful degree, I would say I forget how bad, okay, or how good of a vocalist he right, is. Right, right. Um, so there was that. Uh, I also, <clears throat> uh, I went down uh, the the Zealand Ardor rabbit hole again. Ooh, okay. It's just, I love that record, man. Like, yeah, I cannot get over how much I love it. Um, I also went down in the heavier side of things. I went down the uh, Meyer lore and uh, Infinite Annihilator uh, tool, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just tunnels. Nice. Um, Meyer lore is going to be putting out more stuff here soon. Um, mm-hmm. They're coming out with an EP since Dan is focusing all of his energy on that now. Oh, since he left yeah, Reserve. that's right. Which I'm okay with because mm-hmm. Travis, the guy who's taking over for him, um, Sounds every bit like Dan and mm-hmm. probably a little bit better. Okay. Uh, and he's also a really cool dude. I've never met Dan personally, but mm-hmm. I accidentally met Travis. Oh, and yeah. He's just a really down-to-earth cool guy. That's so awesome. That was super cool. But, yeah, it's uh, just been kind of returning to that mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of it's just some older stuff. Nothing wrong with that. It's always yeah. nice to kind of not really go back to the classics, but in a way kind of classics. Exactly. And then I did want to bring up one uh, – one new song. Um, there was uh, Alpha Wolf did a, a collab with uh, Holding Absence. Uh, so the, they're doing a split EP, basically. Okay. So each of them is having a new song on there, and then each of them has a song that's featuring the other artist. Oh, so that's So this is cool. the Holding Absence song featuring Alpha Wolf uh, called uh, 
uh, what was it called? Uh, Aching Longing. Okay. Uh, really cool song. Um, if you're a Holding Absence fan, they're kind of in the Dayseeker realm. They actually just finished the the Sleep Talk tour with Ooh, them. Ooh, okay. Um, so they're not quite as uh, atmospheric, I would say. Mm-hmm. But they definitely have a lot of the same elements and a lot more of that just kind of like your post-rocky new emo. Okay. Uh, it feels so weird to say all these different things to try and describe bands. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so th- they're good for that. Um, they're from, I think, Leeds uh, in the UK. Oh, okay. I could be wrong on that. It's either that or like Wales or something like that. My wife met them when oh, she that's got, still I, I was rad. able to get her into the Day Seeker concert. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to go in and meet them and everything. And But yeah, so that song's really cool. Um, the whole EP drops in August, I believe. So Ooh, that'll be that's something coming to, up. to definitely yeah, so watch out for. That's definitely one we'll be talking about. But yeah, so uh, Matt, what what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the band Demon Hunter. Yeah, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Gabe's over here like, sheesh. I hate you. But yes, um, if you guys will recall back to our our top eight episode, uh, Demon Hunter was definitely in my top eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe I had them at number six, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. Yeah, because you had them. It was like... It was up there, but it wasn't too high up there. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere around. Yeah, there. the Demon Hunter has been one of those bands. They, they were one of like the first heavy bands that I ever got into, mm-hmm. um, and they're they've just influenced so much of what I've done musically mm-hmm. over the years. And I, I, I this is going to be an hour of me gushing about them. So let's let's just go ahead and start the gushing <laughs> hey so um demon hunter was started in the year 2000 in seattle washington and it was the original members were don clark uh, and let me actually pull up the roles that yeah, it was had. uh don clark was on bass at this point in time ryan yep. clark was on vocals and rhythm guitar uh and then a little bit of bass for tracking and stuff and then jesse sprinkle was on drums yep and uh Prior to that, Jesse Sprinkle had been the drummer for a, a band called Poor Old Lou, which was kind of in that um, that Christian alternative circle that was like in the late 90s, early 2000s. And both Ryan and Don Clark had come from the band Training for Utopia, which was kind of in the same realm. Uh, the early, early Solid State Records, um, <clears throat> that kind of just realm, the... Christian alternative to like bands mm-hmm. like Slayer and Ministry and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to listen to a little bit of the um, training for Utopia, and it very much came off as what Demon Hunter was attempting to be, but very much a more experimental version of mm-hmm. it. Uh, very that way, it gave the two separate identities for each Demon Slayer as well as Training for Utopia, which was kind of a neat little thing. Demon Slayer. Sorry, Demon <laughs> Hunter. Oh my God, my brain apparently decided t- t- to shut off. Tomato, tomato. Through. I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's because you said Slayer a second ago. That's what. Threw yeah, me I, off. I guess because uh, th- that's one of these guys' big influences, especially in their early years, was Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's pretty evident as you kind of go throughout their early discography as they kind of move forward throughout their uh, albums. We definitely see a, a shift into kind of more modern rock. Yeah. Um, but those early years, it was definitely just very dissonant, very um, clunky chord patterns would be the best mm-hmm. way that I could put it. It almost seemed a lot more, because they were a, like a metalcore band early on, but it was a little bit less of the metal and more of the hardcore side. Definitely. It seemed a little bit more on that that side of the, the realm. Yeah, it was, it was really more focused on the thrash and the, uh, mm-hmm. the not so much like the chugs, but just kind of like very quick fast riffs yep very kind of thrashy elements to them and with these kind of soaring choruses that mm-hmm. we would kind of know to see in, in metalcore later on yeah um so that was the original lineup and then in 2002 they dropped their self-titled release as their uh, original album which i thought was kind of interesting just because it just doing self-titled releases i always feel is kind of weird when you're first coming out it doesn't yeah. really explain who you are as a band but i feel like that's kind of what they were going for right because uh, these guys evolve so much over time oh yeah for sure they, they uh, definitely don't the official hold. release date was october 22nd of 2002 uh in the studio that i'm finding is the black dungeon and then it was uh solid state records was the label Correct, and um, Solid State is going to be a name that comes up quite a bit there. They're a subsidiary and or like partnership and or 
daughter company. I'm not exactly sure the, mm-hmm. the, the exact nature of the relationship, but um, they're the basically the heavy side of Tooth and Nail Records, which okay. was your really big alternative Christian uh, label at the time. <clears throat> I mean, they still kind of are. Yeah. Just not so much at the forefront as they once were. Right. But we had bands like uh, Reliant K, which will come up again later on. Um, bands like Cutlass, Thousand Foot Crutch, a lot of these guys that were kind of on this solid state and uh, tooth and nail partnership that was yeah. going on. And um, <coughs> just a, a quick call out for solid state, a couple bands that you'll find on there now is like the Devorah's Prada, Fit for a King, uh, are the two big ones. And I believe, is August Burns Red on solid state or are they on fearless still they've switched a few times yeah i think they were on solid state and now they're on fearless i think that sounds right but just to give you an idea on that uh really big notable single off of this one is infected which actually was very <clears throat> very catchy uh mm-hmm. another one that we'll see later down the road is my throat is an open grave which is kind of just a weird song name. Oh, it's so metal sounding. I love it. <laughs> um, also, I do want to note that the uh, producer for this album was Aaron Sprinkle, who was also of Poor Old Lou. Um, oh, awesome. Okay. Jesse's brother. Nice. So there, there, there's a lot of brothers involved at the uh, early years of Demon Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in, in fact, it is a solid song on this one. Screams of the Undead kind of just really sets the tone on what we're going to be accept, uh, expecting. Right. And um, as we're going through, so like obviously My Throat is an Open Grave is kind of a very ballady kind of song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, same with the very last song, The Gauntlet. It's this very somber kind of song uh, to it. And we're going to be seeing that that Demon Hunter honestly gets known a lot more for their ballads and they do their heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. But when they do not heavy stuff, people get upset about it. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's almost like it happens to every other metal band. I mean, yes, there's also that. <laughs> people get excited when they slow it down because it changes it up, but at the same time, they don't want to hear it all the time. <laughs> Yay, metal. Basically, yeah. Um, and then here we, we, we see the first iteration of the... Um, the Demon Hunter logo, which is going to be this demon with uh, uh, asymmetric horns above it, uh, and it's got a bullet hole straight in the center of the skull. Mm-hmm. It's metal as all get out, and I plan on having it tattooed on me at some point. Yeah, no, it's a super sick logo. <laughs> like I, I can't even deny it. Yeah, this album's not really super high for me, um, just because of what comes after it. It's not a bad one by any means, mm-hmm. and it's it's a good precursor to what they're going to be doing. It really begins setting the tone on what Demon Hunter is to be expected of, but at the same time, it leaves so much open for interpretation. For oh them. yeah, and and you put it exactly in the probably the best way I would have described it. I I wouldn't say that this was a record that I did not enjoy listening to. It was not one that I was like overly jazzed about. Everything kind of and it, it this is gonna spoiler alert. I plan to come back to Demon Hunter. This was my first <laughs> deep dive into everything. Uh, also, Gabe was getting real-time updates as I was listening through stuff, so he he got to experience some of my experience. This <clears throat> very much set the tone, as you said, for what would be to come, and it what they didn't really like find the, a formula that worked for them, but in a way it was almost like they found a formula that worked and it was just, they laid the groundwork. They're like, okay, this is what we're going to go for. And then they just built on that and kind of, kind of a, a experimented from there is probably the best way to describe it. Exactly. Uh, one of the thing I wanted to note about um, Ryan and Don Clark is um, their actual day job is graphic designers. So oh. they do, um, <clears throat> they've done a lot of work over the, the course of, history basically mm-hmm. um with obviously doing demon hunter stuff and then all the way up as big names like the white stripes and oh that's if sick. i'm not mistaken i believe at least he was if not still is ryan clark is part of the um the graphic production for tooth and nail and all of their subsidiaries. that's super <laughs> sick so unfortunately we don't get a lot of demon hunter tours um that's why they're one of the only bands that are on my list that i've never seen live mm which I hope to change at some point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Their current leg of tour that they're doing right now in support of their new album that they're announcing is uh, all Midwest. And none of it is going to be the time that I'm going to be there, which I'll talk about later. But <laughs> The big sad. Yeah, it, it does make me sad. I'm just like, I just go on their Facebook and beg them to come over here. Yeah, right. Um, moving forward, 
Uh, we have uh, uh, a new album released in May uh, in May of 2004. So specifically on May 4th, uh, we have Summer of Darkness release. Uh, and this is also released through Solid State Records and produced by Aaron Sprinkle again. Uh, this was recorded in Compound Studios in Seattle, Washington, and this album is what hooked me on Demon Hunter. Okay. So the moment that I heard Not Ready to Die, I lost my freaking mind. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was not ready for it. I just lost it. I love this album so much. Okay. So this... I was definitely starting to warm up to the band. This wa- this wasn't the record that quite sold me on them, but I was definitely starting to feel a lot of a lot, a lot more hype. I was starting to get a little bit more pieces I'm like, "Ooh, that's spicy. Ooh, that's fun right there." Um, but it it wasn't quite the, you know, the thing to push me off the edge mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, so notable on this one here, um, Not Ready to Die was the lead track uh, mm-hmm. that came off of it. It received quite a bit of uh, play on Fuse TV and MTV's Headbangers Ball when uh, that was still a thing. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, My Heartstrings Come Undone, which was uh, featured on the soundtrack to Resident Evil Apocalypse. That's super rad. We also have quite a few of uh, some notable features that were on this album, uh, specifically on track three um, from... The song Beheaded, we have a feature from Mike Williams of The Agony Scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, on track five, Our Faces Fall Apart, we have Howard Jones of Killswitch Engage. On track eight, we have Beauty Through the Eyes of a Predator featuring Brock Lindau uh, of 36, 36 Crazy Fists. Yes, thank you. And on Coffin, and on track 12, we have Coffin Builder, which is featuring Trevor McNevin, who is the vocalist for Thousand Foot Crutch. Yep. As well as FM Static and a myriad of other bands. Right. Also, again, in the same boat of all those tooth and nail, solid state, Jargon. Yeah. We also have a little bit of a lineup change on this album. Uh, so we have Ryan Clark, obviously, still, and Don Clark. They do ch- change the roles a little bit. So Ryan Clark just moves strictly to vocals. Don Clark moves uh, solely to rhythm guitar. Uh, we have John Dunn take over for bass. Chris McCadden on lead guitar. And then we still have Jesse Sprinkle on drums here. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they, I, I, I truly have no bad words to say about this album. I, I love this one. Okay. And you know what? I respect that. It, 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 I definitely recognize that it comes from a place of uh, nostalgia for me on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's going to be a couple albums that we talk about later on that I do love more than this one. But this one here still here always just holds a special place for me. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's completely fair. I kind of understand that just as, you know... A, a fan of other old bands that I, I have kind of a similar feeling to. So that's that's fair. Yeah. Matt, why don't you tell us about the next one? So following up, which, spoiler alert, this is the record that hook, line, and <laughs> sinkered me. Uh, it's called The the Triptych, uh, which was released October 25th of 2005. Uh, again, through Solid State, producer was Aaron Sprinkle. Um, and it doesn't look like there is a, uh, information at least regarding where it was recorded. I'm assuming somewhere in Seattle. I would assume Still, so, just because yeah. that, that's where they're based out of. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the really notable song here on this one is a prong cover of Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck. Uh, I knew, I knew it sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the special edition included some acoustic bonus tracks as well as a remix. So I'm sure we'll be going and talk about that. Yeah, bro. <laughs> this one was like, hey, we're going to hit the gas. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, sign me up. So Summer of Darkness was the album that really got me. Mm-hmm. This is the one that sunk me, too. Okay. The, the, this album is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it opens up with this very just, like, uh, not operatic, but kind of just like this chorus of female singers mm-hmm. singing the, the flame that guides us home. And then it leads immediately into Not I, which is this, this bludgeoning uh, groove that they go into. We get yeah. a featuring of it back in when they're in the breakdown of the song of the, the females. Uh, the females. What am I? The <laughs> the, the, the choir singing yeah. uh, The Flame That Guides Us Home. So they, they kind of rehash it back in there. Yeah, just so good. Um, this is the one that's going to be 
going on my leg uh, oh, as far, okay. for a tattoo is the uh, the original cover. So the one the demon skull with the nails uh, keeping it together and the oh, snake running through it. Oh, yep. That, okay. There is uh, two alternative covers that were on this one. One is like a spider looking thing, and another one has like a bunch of crows around it. Oh yeah, they're no, just, the crow one is super rad, but that spider cool. one's terrifying. Ooh. I'm not afraid of spiders, but ooh, that gives me some heebie-jeebies. I am utterly terrified of spiders. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but I, I, God, I love this album. So yeah, freaking much. No, this this thing really from front to back is just a fantastic piece of work. I don't know of any of the songs that make me not happy about it the only thing is that snap your fingers snap your neck cover i i could live without listening to that song again it's just there it's there yeah, yeah. I, I mean i really realistically i feel that way about any song by prong um this way i at least get to hear ryan's vocals instead yeah. of i forget the guy's name i think it's like tommy victor or ted barsons or something uh tommy victor yeah hey i got it right um yeah, this one here, uh, also notable, is uh, the Soldier Song. That one's super groovy, mm. super chuggy. I really recommend Like, if you're going to listen to an album, a song on this album, listen to that one. Okay. Um, this one also began charting. Uh, we have it at uh, 136 on Billboard Top 100. It reached number 10 on Top Christian Albums, and uh, it reached number 1 on Top Heat Seekers in 2006, which was uh, after it had released. I don't think... Did we mention release date? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, October 25th of 2005. Yeah. And uh, again, still on solid state and still uh, being produced by Aaron Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeping the consistency, at least. Yeah. And it was actually, the lineup would the have lineup, changed by yes. this point. So uh, Jesse Sprinkle would no longer be on drums. Uh, that would actually be taken over by Tim Watts. Uh, um, also known as Yogi. Yes. Uh, and then it looks like, so, yep, everything else is... Not quite. Uh, so oh. we also have the lead guitar change. Um, so we're no longer with... Uh, Chris McCadden. Thank you. Uh, we have Ethan Luck uh, mm-hmm. filling in on lead guitar at this point. And um, Ethan Luck is one of the guitarists for Reliant K. Yes. So that that's where we kind of see a little bit more crossover from mm-hmm. them. Because I remember the first time I learned that, and it blew my mind, because I couldn't possibly believe that musicians playing in a band would cross over and play different styles of music. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! Yeah, it it was... I had a lot of learning to do at that point in time. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Yeah. so that was super cool to see. Um, I also... I uh, won't worry about that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was going to be a long tangent. I don't really feel like going down into it now. Okay. The Um, following record... Yeah. This... Ooh, ooh. So this this is the one that there was no going back for me. Yeah, no. I, I, this was honestly the point where I'm like, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm into this, ba- like really into this yeah. band. So released on November sixth of two thousand seven, we have Storm the Gates of Hell. Uh, this was recorded in Compound Recording at London Bridge in Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. and uh, was again on uh, Solid State. And this was produced by Aaron Sprinkle as well as Sean Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Storm the Gates of Hell just comes in full, full send, and I wasn't ready for it. Up to this point, like, nothing had ever gotten, like, overly bludgeoning. It wasn't anything, like, crazy, if you will. Storm the Gates of Hell hits. I'm, I'm like, all right, I yeah, guess we, we're we in get, it. like, six seconds of this, like, crackle, and then just Ryan comes in with the shriek, and it's literally a song about storming and, and murdering the demons at the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not get more metal than oh, this. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, it, oh, man, it's just so good, dang it, it. It really doesn't slow down. Um, Lead Us Home was really strong. Carry Me Down was yeah, also so, really so strong. After, after Storm the Gates of Hell, um, it like finishes up, and then it slowly ramps itself in, so there's no real break into Lead Us Home, mm-hmm. which then goes into this even crazier, faster uh, song. It slows it down like the, the back half of that song. Mm-hmm. Then we slow down into 16, which uh, is free ter- featuring Bruce Fitzhugh of Living Sacrifice, yep. which is also a phenomenal old deathcore band that I recommend checking out. Um, and 16 is this like very crazy ensemble kind of sound. The, the intro is one of the coolest intros. And so we just have like back to back to back all these songs. And then like 
it doesn't lead immediately into it, but then we go into Fading Away, mm-hmm. which is another freaking amazing song. Yeah. It has one of the best choruses on the album, and then we have Carry Me Down, which is probably the most uh, uh, popular song on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one of the famous Demon Hunter ballads that just, it just hits. It hits so freaking hard. I I didn't realize I was going to end up falling in love with a band uh, when we started this, but honestly, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> it's not It's not a bad feeling. Not at all. Like th- th- this was. <sighs> Breathe, Gabe. Let's see if everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 this one here is is fantastic. Um, Fading Away was the lead single. Um, mm-hmm. The title track, Storm the Gates of Hell, was another single, and Carrying Me Down was the third one off of this album. Um, all three of those really just kind of exemplify what Demon Hunter is, what they're mm-hmm. becoming. And what they have to offer. Um, yeah. Fading Away is this very like powerful anthem. Storm the Gates of Hell is metal as it gets. Carry Me Down is this very soothing ballad. And it just, it all hits super well. Yeah. Um, notably on this one is this is going to be the last album that features Don Clark and Ethan Luck. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. Yep. So um, going into their next record is we'll see Patrick Judge take over as the lead guitar as well as backing vocals responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then we will have Ryan Helm on rhythm guitar for The World is a Thorn, uh, which was released on March 9th of 2010. Um, Just to notate it in here, in between there, there was um, they did like a documentary DVD um, called 45 Days. Mm-hmm. There is a soundtrack that goes along with that. It's almost exclu- exclusively instrumental. It does have an acoustic version of Fading Away and a piano version of Carry Me Down, both of which sound really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a big fan of this version of Fading Away just because I feel like it loses a lot of the momentum and energy behind it. But that's a personal thing. Um, I I had only listened to a little bit of that 45 Days um, kind of soundtrack, and it, it, it felt like it was just kind of, it was too mellow, and I was just well, really was wanting... That it was a backing track to a documentary, so which it's supposed makes to sense, stay in the yeah. background as much as possible. Um, also, in between there, before we get to The World is a Thorn, uh, we also have the Live in Nashville album, which was li- live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, Surprise. <laughs> I would have killed to have been at this concert with this track listing. I di- actually didn't listen to the live. Oh, so, no, I'm not ready, am I? Storm the Gates of Hell. We're uh, straight into Lead Us Home. Okay. Then we have Ribcage. Okay. Uh, I Am You. Okay. Carry Me Down. Okay. Fading Away. Oh. The Soldier Song. Oh. Follow the Wolves, Ooh. which is a super chuggy song. Uh, we have Undying, okay, another fantastic one. Um, we go back to Infected. Ooh, okay, Six, that's a good that's a good include there. Sixteen. Oh. Uh, and then they do My Heartstrings Come Undone. Just, oh. The flame that guides us home slash not I. And then they top it off with Not Ready to Die. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. This is a concert I would have died at and been happy with. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I. There's a strong possibility that on my drive home, I'm going to start listening to that. Like, that just <laughs> sounds like a banger. But that being said, lead us into World is a Thorn, Matt. Ooh. <laughs> so we get Descending Upon Us, uh, which is a five and a half minute long brute fest. Just It opens up super soft, super sweet, and then it says, I said good day, sir. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what happened next no uh <laughs> then we get um col- song three's collapsing which features bjorn strid of soil Sir, work you missed life war i i'm calling out the i'm calling out the features first fine um we've got just breathe featuring christian and i'm gonna probably pronounce this incorrectly <laughs> alvastum of solution 45 as well as Feel As Though You Could featuring Dave Peters of Throwdown, which, <laughs> that's a sweet band name. Yeah. Bro, this light, ooh, life war, though. Yeah. Um, just so it's mentioned, uh, this album was released March 9th of 2010. Yes. Uh, it was uh, recorded at the Compound in Seattle, Washington. 
again on Solid State, again produced by Aaron Sprinkle. Yeah, Life War just it's a super simple song. Mm-hmm. But it hits. Yeah. And hits and hits. <laughs> yep. Uh and, and then we go into Collapsing, which is one of my favorite Demon Hunter songs of all time. Okay. Uh th- this song, it's just so smooth. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got a super sick solo to it. It's got a real nice groove to it. The uh Bjorn Strid of Soilwork, his feature is super tight, super just tight on it. Yeah. Just everything about the song I love. Oh yeah. No, it, it's a ve- it was a very clean feature that that Bjorn had done and I believe another feature to call back to um what you would reference earlier, I believe he was actually featured on a Motionless and White song. Oh, was he? Um, so I was just like, oh, I know that name. Awesome. Nice. But, and then we, you know, not to ho- just hover over driving is the, or this is the line in Driving Nails. We have The World is a Thorn, which just rips. We have Tie This Around Your Neck, which also just rips. And then Just Breathe. Which I, I guess some could say it rips. It rips, bro. <laughs> <laughs> The World is a Thorn is just this blistering track. Mm-hmm. Um, also up in my favorite songs by Damon Hunter. Like this one just oh, that's starts complete- hard, it ends hard, and in between it's hard. Yep. Like it is just a super heavy song that does so much so fast, and I love it. I love it so much, man. Do you feel it now, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> <laughs> Tie this around your neck is just metal as all get out. Oh, yeah. Just Breathe kind of has, it, it takes like the heavy of like World is a Thorn and the uh, melody of like collapsing mm-hmm. and kind of fuses them together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like this one a lot too. One one of the songs that actually made me laugh on this record just because of the lyrics was Blood in the Tears. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't not laugh because it was like Blood in the Tears of Your Enemies. And I was like, ha, I love that. And it was just, it was just, just the icing on the cake that made this this record just that much better. We had this one peak again on charts. Uh, we had it uh, pop up at number 39 on U.S. Billboard 100, number 6 on U.S. Rock Albums, number 2 on U.S. Hard Rock Albums, and number 2 on U.S. Christian Albums. Uh, it also ended the year at 49 on U.S. Christian Albums. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because this record was delicious it do be slapping yo the the thing is is while i was listening to most of this it didn't make sense but the only two words i could use to describe demon hunter was disrespectfully delicious (laughs) (laughs) those were the two words that just came to mind i'm like they don't make sense but we're running with it that's just how it is yeah I, i respect it um I'm trying to remember what I think it was the following record was really where it just the the real time updates just were blast. Yes, they were. So the next record we have here is True Defiance. Uh, This record released on April 10th of 2012 was released on Solid State and was produced by Aaron Sprinkle. I'm assuming it was done in uh, in Seattle there at the the compound again. Doesn't Mm -hmm. say here for us, unfortunately. Yeah, this. uh, This album. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this <laughs> old, when I tell y'all, I felt things. Crucifix starts. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't expecting anything crazy. It felt like a baseball bat hit me in the chest when Crucifix really ramped up. And then Godforsaken hits. Mm-hmm. And let me let me go back to to the message because I just lost <laughs> my mind while you're doing that. Um, this one here kind of mirrors what the triptych did. Uh, we have three different album covers that th- these ones are going to be a little bit more similar in their style. So they all have this kind of um, I would call it Anglican kind of looking mm-hmm. demon skull. So it's it's still the same shape in general, but it has this lot more like surrealistic kind of look to it. Yeah. Um, with uh, like a candle burning on top and thorns around it in the back, and it's kind of like this a lot. I don't want to say messier, but a lot more um, finely detailed. Yeah, which is super cool. The uh, deluxe version had like a blue background. The regular version had a, a red background, mm-hmm. and then there was another 
alternative cover that had like this greenish gray background yeah. to it that had a bunch of nails around it instead of a crown of thorns. So the the message is is I, I, I'm mid mid God forsaken. I'm just like God forsaken hits different. Gosh, and trying to uh, to clean yes yeah, censor myself. <laughs> uh, but basically, I'm just like oh my God. So Gabe responds with this now album is gnarly. And the breakdown hits. I'm like, oh god, the chonk. <laughs> and again, just losing my marbles. I ended up just going back and I started the song over and I spaced out because I was doing something. And I was like, wait a second. I started the song over again, listened through, started it over, listened through, and just repeated it probably about four or five times. And I'm just like, I can't get enough. My destiny was solid. Um, and to jump, jump actually just one song. Tomorrow Never Comes, I really was a fan of. Jumping forward a couple more songs. Someone um, to Hate is also of note here. Yeah. That is just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to jump into to a couple of the ones that really suck out. Means to an end, I really found. I don't know what kind of feeling I have. It, 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 don't get it twisted. It wasn't a bad feeling. Um, but I, it was. It felt not intrusive, but it was kind of a surprise having an instrumental on this mm-hmm. one because there was, you know, we have momentum, momentum, and then it just kind of just halts. And then we jump into We Don't Care, Resistance, and ending the bass version of the record with Dead Flowers, which. Honestly, this one was really catchy, mm-hmm. and we see this a few different times. I believe the songs of death and restoration, resurrection, uh, resurrection, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the cast, gets an acoustic version. Correct, and I just really liked it. Uh, jumping into the deluxe edition bonus tracks, what is left was I was a little lukewarm on. And I found myself, to be completely honest, laughing a bit at I Am A Stone. Like, don't get me wrong, catchy song, it works really well, but just the lyrics of I Am A Stone just <laughs> just made the, the kid in me just chuckle a bit. Fair enough. That being said, I Am A Stone is a super banger of a it's ballad. A good, it's do. a good track, it, for sure. It is sure. a phenomenal track, hands down. Like. <sighs> Matt, you're the worst. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the this album here, it, it was a solid offering from them. This is kind of where we start seeing them, I don't want to say take a backslide, but kind of just take a different direction, I guess would be the best way to put it. it this record very much felt like they were really leaning towards the metalcore aspect of their sound, but also they, pulling they back leaning, a lot into like the rock realm. They were leaning more into like the groove side of things. Yeah, that's they, a they fair. It was just kind of like these just nice, for lack of a better term, old man riffs. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean this in a way that's offensive because, like, I would put Lamb of God in the same boat, where yeah. it's just kind of like these old things that like old guys can really groove to. They don't have to try and go too hard mm-hmm. into it because it's just at a nice BPM that they can really just kind of get into. Lamb of God is just Led Zeppelin meets Slayer. It's literally just old man music <laughs> put together. <laughs> This is my number one favorite band, y'all. Like, I have, I love these guys. I will absolutely talk smack, but it, you Matt, can't I forgive tell you me for I'm every wrong. transgression that you have ever committed on this podcast. <laughs> even the uh, even the stupid Danzig meets Rise Against <laughs> thing, or whatever it was. Okay, maybe not that one yet. I'm not over that one. Uh, that anyway, one, that one's a little too soon. Honestly, I I don't doubt you for never letting me live that down. But tell me I'm wrong. You're not. Anyway, I'm just gonna move this forward here. We go into extremist. Uh, th- this album was released on March 18th of 2014. It was released in Solid State Records and was produced by Aaron Sprinkle and Jeremiah Scott. Uh, notable singles on this one was Artificial Light, The Last One Alive, and I Will Fail You. Uh, the last one alive. Oh my god! <laughs> Did not. Uh, oh, I really like that song a lot. Uh, so notable changes here. Um, we have 
come back. Why is it fighting me? Jack, come back. Um, no, sorry, not change. We, we forgot to men- mention these changes beforehand. Um, no, we didn't. I'm continue on. You're doing great, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this record, uh, another fantastic one. Death to start it off was fantastic. Artificial light. I was a little lukewarm on, uh, I'm just going to pick out a couple of songs. Last one alive. Just bop. I will fail you. Oh my God. It's I, a great one. I, I think this was one of the ones where real time update, I was messaging mm-hmm. you. I'm like, I was not ready to feel things with, I will fail you. And then we jump into, I'm surprised that you didn't mention anything to me about death. I'm surprised I didn't either. Now that I think about that, that it, that one is it, it's a dark, heavy mm-hmm. song. Yeah, um, "Cross to Bear" was a, a one that really stuck out. And then we like jumping forward a few more songs. "Gasoline," <sighs> and then um, I haven't put my finger on how I feel about this one, but "The Heart of a Graveyard." Is another one that I I I'm not sure how I feel what about. So I spend most of my time in the older Demon Hunter stuff. So I honestly kind of forgot that this song existed mm-hmm. when I was going through this listen because it yeah. kind of just caught me off guard. Um, I'm in the boat that I like it. Okay. I, 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 I honestly didn't remember it from the last time that I listened through this record because mm-hmm. this one here it kind of, with exception of a couple songs, just doesn't really do it for me. That's fair. With, with those couple songs being Death, Last One Alive, and I Will Fail You, funnily enough. Yeah. But um, the, the, I'm going to return to this one, honestly, again, because I feel like I missed it the first time going mm-hmm. through, and I was at a different state of mind, and I really like this song. Yeah. Uh, the other, uh, we've got a couple of additional tracks that come on with the deluxe edition being Waste Me and Helpless Hope. Um, Helpless Hope stuck out. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those songs that it stuck out, and I don't know why. It, I think there was there was a somberness to it that kind of had me trying to grasp at it, but it, it almost felt like I was trying to grasp at something that I would like. I was almost wanting to find something in the song I liked, or I just wasn't. N- nothing had clicked just yet. Yeah. Um. Very much one I'm going to be returning to. Last one alive, and I will fail you. Being like the two bit really prominent ones, and then death's not far behind. Yeah. Um. Chart performance on this one, it did uh peak at uh 16 on U.S. Billboard 200. It did it hit number two on U.S. Christian albums, number 23 on digital albums, number two on both uh, top hard rock albums and independent albums, and number five on top rock albums. Yes. So, I mean, like, we're seeing really good chart performance from these guys, and it's very, very consistent. It's well-earned because they're amazing. They is a good band. Jumping into the following record, um, and just to make sure that I didn't see any lineup changes, but are you catching something I might have missed? I don't believe so. I I believe we're on the same lineup from here on. Yes, uh, so we're looking at Outlive, uh, the stu- studio album number eight. Uh, it was released on March 31st of 2017 through Solid State. And then producers, same guys, we got Jeremiah Scott and Aaron Sprinkle. This is where I started to kind of peter off. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the song that stuck out to me. Um, a, a couple of songs that really stuck out. Jesus wept, uh, and it was, I think, just a misunderstanding of the lyrics Probably. that made me made me laugh quite significantly. Died in my sleep. I found I kept pausing the song to go and do other things. I just kind of wasn't interested in. Cold blood was not a bad song, but I just it, kind of forgettable. I don't really recall the song offhand. And then Raining Down, I think, was the the last one that kind of um like popped out and was like, oh, okay, like this isn't this isn't mm-hmm. bad. It was very much more one of the ballady type songs, but very, very weak on the record, or at least the song at the end is a pet peeve of mine because it's not at the end of the record. Um I have the same issue with the a song called The Last Song on Twelve Stones Record Potterfield because it's track number two. Um, yep. That one earns a little bit of grace because the final track on that album is called "In Closing," but that, that's beside the point. It's just it, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's kind of like singing a song and song to sing and swan songs. 
Yep, that too. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's just start the list of like all the pet peeves you've listed on the podcast. Oh man, that's, that's a really long list. <laughs> the best version of Asking Alexandria was when they oh, had Dennis. No. <laughs> no, no, we are not going. We are not going on this hill. No, 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 no. Welcome to my mountain, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> um. So yeah. The lyrics for Jesus Wept are also what's going on my thigh. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> okay. Just me growing up as a Christian kid. Like, that. that's just... It, yeah. Well, and... Different just, meanings. Yeah. And I think part of it, just because... And I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. Like, I am not religious. I don't know if it's been brought up, but it has been brought up now. So, I think that's probably part of why there was kind of the disconnect. And I, I found there's almost like a, a cheesiness to it. Do I respect people having their beliefs? Yes. However, I'm going to have my opinions and thoughts on it, and that's just going to be it. Yeah. With, without going down that tangent. It's easily the heaviest song on the record, too. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's the only reason I ever come to this record. Okay. Uh, if I'm being completely honest. Half is Dead is kind of groovy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one was kind of interesting. The the line specifically where he said, bury me three feet under because I'm half as dead as the rest of them. Mm-hmm. I I found that was kind of just an interesting line to throw in and the, very much the like splitting the six feet, you know, in half for the three feet. So I'm like, OK, that's kind of a clever way. But the the symbolism behind it, I would have to look through the rest of the lyrics for to kind of see what the symbolism was. But it seems like something that I could probably get behind. Mm-hmm. It, it just very strong metaphor to it. So. For Good sure, on you guys for that. Uh, as far as charting positions on this one here, we have it peaking at 25 on Billboard 200. We have it hit number one on independent albums, and then number two on both top rock and top hard rock albums. Mm-hmm. So, despite our feelings on this one, still did really well. Yeah. Then we have on March 1st of 2019. We get two records. Yeah. So they they did a dual release on this one. So just for uh for ease of the podcast here we're just going to go over one and then the other mm-hmm. um start out with war yeah all right so we, we we have two records war and peace so one is supposed to be your kind of your edgier one mm-hmm. peace is supposed war that being war yeah and then peace is supposed to be kind of a lot more ballad related right right um the track listing on this one uh, we've got, including the deluxe edition bonus track we have a total of 11 songs for this one um to be completely honest, this one I I don't recall all that much of. Ash was a, a notable one here. Um, Cut to fit, I feel like I recall a little bit of. On my side, I re- Cut feel to fit's like- groovy. On my side um, is also really good. It's also got a. Uh, it's we have a callback to it that we'll get to in mm-hmm. peace as well. Um, Unbound is really nice and heavy, and so is uh, the negative. Yeah. So this one, um, unfortunately, I felt a little lukewarm on it. I I think I just need to go back and listen through this one in its entirety just to kind of re, um, you know, see if there's something that I just missed. So this one here, it was kind of interesting because like the way that the album was announced, it was that war was supposed to be this just kind of unleash kind of like storm the gates of hell style stuff right where, it's, where we actually have like this all out kind of just fury this onslaught of of anger and uh ferocity that we had known demon hunter in mm-hmm. days past and then peace was supposed to be a lot more ballad based and while peace definitely got that offering we had some heavy stuff on war it just didn't seem like it was a lot yeah um it was obviously a lot more than peace had it just didn't feel like it kind of lived up to the the hype and the expectation that it was given. Yeah, they 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 hadn't put the expectations properly. Yeah, no, this one I I don't recall this one being as bludgeoning as I would have expected it to mm-hmm. be considering it was called war. So that was a little bit of a bummer at least for for me personally. Yeah, it um it debuted at number 7 on Billboard's top current charts. Uh it also just ended up peaking at number 55 uh on Billboard 200. Mm-hmm. Um it did hit number 1 on independent albums. Uh, chart number two on hard music, number two on Christian, and number five on uh, rock albums. Yeah. 
And uh, apparently, Loudwire named both War and Peace together as one of the 50 best metal albums of 2019. But what does Corey Taylor think? Ooh, find out in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving into Peace then. Uh, so still the same release date, same producers, mm-hmm. same label, all of that jazz. Um, I honestly find myself liking more of the music on this album than I did War. Oh, 100%. Same here. Like, More Than Bones was a really strong start here. Um, jump, jump into uh, one of the... Actually, I'm surprised this wasn't a single. Uh, when the Devil Come. I love that song. Yeah. Is it really When it, the Devil Come or When the Devil Comes? I'm pretty sure it's When the Devil Comes. Okay. I think there's just a typo here. It um, could be. And then, like, Refuse Myself is oh, super good. Peace good. is also really good. The title mm-hmm. track for this one, super good. <clears throat> um, When the Devil Comes, it gives me vibes like the um, like when we did the Volbeat album. Oh, yeah. And it was that... Um, Shoot, what was that song? Like it was the super rockabilly one, and he's like, "Hold on, fellows, it doesn't move me." I think I know which one. Oh, I can't remember I, the I name can't of that. Remember the name of it either. But um, it, it kind of gives me those. It, not not quite in the same way, but it gives me those kind of vibes. Yeah. Uh, well, and there there was something about the way that the devil comes kind of sets itself up, especially in the choruses. It feels like it's just. The vocals by itself, and not really anthemic, but it's it's building this atmosphere and almost kind of just like the hype just happens. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something about it that just it hits a spot. It scratches an itch. I don't know what it is, but I I I appreciate it very very much. Yeah. And then uh, the callback to piece that we have on this record is from the song "Fear Is Not My Guide." Mm-hmm. Um, so. The, the song ends with Death is on My Side, which is a callback to On My Side mm-hmm. uh, from War. And this song I have probably listened to more than any other song on any of these, on both of these albums combined. I freaking love this song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's this extremely soft uh, piano ballad, mm-hmm. and it just it hits different. Yeah. There's something about just Demon Hunter hits different. There I don't know that, what yes. it is. I don't know what it is. Um, and then finally, uh, oh, also um, specifically with Peace, it peaked at uh, 61 on U.S. Billboard. Yeah. And now, as we had brought up a little bit earlier, Songs of Death and Resurrection, which was uh, released on March 5th of 2021, uh, and it was released through Solid State Records. Um, looking through, I'm not seeing anything related to who produced. <clears throat> but here's what's really cool about this is the entire record is, it's not acoustic, but it's a it's like a reimagined it version of... It basically is. So it, it's yeah. all songs that have been toned down from their original versions. So mm-hmm. whether that was going from an acoustic to just a piano or from electric guitars and drums to drums with brushes and mm-hmm. uh, just acoustic guitars and, and stuff like that. So it, it's a very much a just a stripped down kind of record. Yeah, um, We have songs from every era of Demon Hunter. We start out with My Throat is an Open Grave from original Demon Hunter. We have Dead Flowers from True Defiance, mm-hmm. Heart of a Graveyard from Extremis. Praise the Void was a, a previously unreleased song uh, on this one, so they didn't actually have that on a previous record. Uh, Blood and the Tears from The World is a Thorn. Loneliness from Peace. Which honestly, I really don't like that song. Yeah, I, I wish they had chosen a different one. Just that it just—I don't know what it is about it, but it irks me. Uh, I am a stone from Let's True go. Defiance. <laughs> I will fail you from Extremist. Let's go part two. <laughs> <laughs> Deteriorate from the Triptych. Carry me down from Storm the Gates of Hell. The tide began to rise from the Triptych, and my heartstrings come undone from Summer of Darkness. Let's go part three. <laughs> like this is this is a really good track listing for the record. Um, to be completely honest, I didn't jump through that much of this. Um, I know I definitely heard some of My Throat is an Open Grave and some of Dead Flowers just to hear kind of what the, um, I don't want to say gimmick, but kind of what the, what the record is about just to kind of, kind of feel it out. Yeah. Um, will this be one I return to a lot? Maybe. It's definitely, you have to be in the mood for it. Yeah. Got to be in the right mindset. Notably on this one here, just to call out some of the other personnel that were used other than the band, 
Um, we have Peggy Clark, who added additional vocals on Loneliness and Dead Flowers. We have Joanna Ott on piano. Excuse me. Additional vocals on Dead Flowers and the Tide Began to Rise. Uh, Chris Carmichael, who did the string arrangements. And then the artwork for this album was done by Ellerin Cantor, uh, which is this cool like painting of a... Uh, a demon and a angel on sitting on two sides of this harp that's created with the demon hunter logo. I th- I saw that design and bro, that's that was sick. The yeah. harp with the logo, ooh, beautiful, beautiful touch. Yeah, and uh, th- this was the uh, the last album that we had from demon hunter mm-hmm. but it's not the last that we had from demon hunter no <laughs> so uh recently as in like four days ago or something like that as a recording yeah this? uh june 3rd uh 2022 from the date that was popping up on my six side. days ago <laughs> yes uh we had the uh the newest single from demon hunter called freedom is dead yep and it's going to be on their upcoming uh Oh my god, my brain is shut down. <laughs> Upcoming record that's dropping this year titled Exile. Um, I don't see a release date that's announced for that. Um, I haven't seen one yet either. But Freedom is Dead, like this song very much felt like they were doing this very um, scratchy. <laughs> Not really techno, but there's like a, a scratchy... I feel like industrial. Is that, that's best, a good way to put way. it. Yeah, so kind it's, of it's, an industrial sound, but then you just hear Ryan just yelling throughout the entire song. I'm like, oh? Yeah, so I, I, I'm extremely excited for it. I yeah. hope this is going to be a little bit more of a return to the days of yore. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's uh, there's there's a there's a, some spice here, and I hopefully it ends up being kind of a heavy record. If it ends up being kind of like a balance between the heavy and ballady stuff, like that's fine. I just want I just want some of that heavy heavy spice. Just throw throw some of that in there. We're good. I I feel like we're gonna get it. I think so too. I, I think we're gonna see a little bit of a return from it because it it's just seems to be kind of like what people want. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Plus like. Between with War and Peace as well as the songs of um, Death and Resurrection. Yes, I, I almost said songs of loss and resurrection, but between those two is we got a much softer side of Demon Hunter. So I feel like it would be kind of a it would feel like a proper um, proper progression. Yeah, words are hard today. Words apparently. are hard. It's also late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with this. And I really hope they come out here because I want to see them. I, to be complete, I, I kind of want to see them too. It should be a banger of a show. But that's going to wrap it up for our breakdown of Demon Hunter. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, how would you rate Demon Hunter? Right now, with only this that I've listened to, five out of eight. And you know what? It's going to go up. You are so middle of the road every time. Every time I ask you, it's like a five out of eight, five out of eight, five out of eight. Yeah, I'm calling you out, dog. Uh, that's that's a, that's a fair reason <laughs> to call me out. But no, this this is a band that I this has... might as well be your new point five. <laughs> Let me guess. If if we didn't kind of instill that, it, you would have said five point five, wouldn't you? No, absolutely uh-huh. not. Nope, we are we're not doing point fives anymore. That was my. What if I told you that was my New Year's resolution? <laughs> so anyway, folks, we're going to go ahead and move into uh, our hidden track here, which is uh, where we talk about something not necessarily related to uh, what we're talking about here. Matt, other than New Year's resolutions, before I throw something at you, what you got? Uh, I've got three things. Okay. First one... Shorzy dropped. Uh, so for those of you who may not be familiar... Um, Letter Kenny was originally started as a Crave original, but was picked up by Hulu. And Shorzy is a spinoff of Letter Kenny, following the character of said name. Uh, and it's just, it's a six episode mini series, and it's just absolutely hilarious. It's not as like one liner quotable as Letter Kenny is, uh, but the just smack talk really between all the characters is very, very strong. And the reason for that being is it follows all hockey players and it's a, 
It's not, they're, they're they're not professional hockey. It's kind of um, I don't want to say amateur I would hockey. Call it club hockey. Club hockey is a good way yeah. to put it. And it's just all these guys just talking smack to each other. They're playing hockey, getting physical, and just yeah. kind of following following their life. A fantastic, fantastic series. It is really good. It's just kind of one of those. It returns to the original reason why Letterkenny became so popular, which mm-hmm. is due to the banter behind it. Oh yeah, and just kind of like all these weird off the cuff kind of things that people would come up with. So it, it, it's it's I I love the show too myself. I'd highly recommend it. I it's one of those shows that I'm definitely going to be rewatching. Uh, in the near future, just for it's it's what? for what? <laughs> it, it's six episodes. It's super easy to binge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I ended up accidentally waking up at like four o'clock in the morning at one point and finished it by six thirty. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, that that sounds about right. Uh, number two. I know we talked about it last week, but I have to keep talking about it. Kenobi's so good. I'm going to watch the no new. No spoilers. I haven't watched I, the not, newest no, episode I, yet. I haven't. I haven't seen the new episode either. <laughs> good. But, oh my god, that's what I'm doing when I get home. Uh, number three, I know this isn't your speed, but I have to talk about it. It's not an obsession, but I am so hooked on this show. It's ridiculous. Uh, for those who may not be familiar, but there is an anime called Spy X Family. Yeah, all right. I'm just going to move to my phone for now. You this you might actually appreciate this premise. Ten bucks says it won't. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so the it follows a spy. Uh, his name's Twilight. Uh, that's just his kind of code name, if you will. And he's presented with a mission to infil- infiltrate a... Uh, I'm trying to remember the role of this uh, like diplomat just high high figure and basically he's told you need to create a fake family to get into this very prestigious school to get close to this diplomat representative whoever in order to maintain peace within these two countries well he adopts a kid from an orphanage who's a telepath and goes and finds a woman to marry to kind of make this family. And she's an assassin. Both of the parents don't know each other's actual jobs, but the kid, being a telepath, is able to read both minds. She knows dad's a spy. She knows mom's an assassin. And it's... It's very much like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of dynamic, but the way it's presented is very much a wholesome, just something about the dynamic of the three trying to create this actual family, even though it's all kind of pretend, is done in a very, very beautiful way. And I have... I can't say I've ever gotten attached to characters in a show so quickly before. And it's still currently airing. I think it just aired episode nine, or I think we're just about to air episode 10. I'm hooked. I Once the whole show airs, I'm going to finish watching it, and then I'm going to watch through it again. It's just that good. Hey, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Rude. Yeah. What do you got this week? Uh, not anime related, thank God. No, uh, <laughs> it never will be from me. I know. <laughs> um, mine's, mine's. I'm just still gonna be music related at this point. Uh, so I got this super cool opportunity. Um, that I was brought on as one of the uh, the straight team promoters for uh, Kentucky Irate Festival. Yes, uh, which is going to be effectively one of the best metal and deathcore uh, festivals that's going to be reoccurring every summer. Um, it's basically Vans warp Tour for deathcore kids. Yeah. Uh, th- this year lineup, like it's already just super insane. The people that are, that have yet to be announced are just straight heaters. Mm-hmm. Um, as Matt mentioned earlier, Ocean is coming back uh, for it. Uh, bands like Tala, Traders. Um, I'm trying to make sure I don't say the ones that I'm not supposed to say yet, because <laughs> they want to roll right off my tongue. Um, uh, we have Madball going to be there, Palisades is going to be there, Impending Doom, Bury Your Dead, The Browning, 
uh, Rose Funeral's making a comeback again. Uh, they just Jeez. released a new song, so like that's super cool. And then we just have phenomenal bands like Earth Caller, which is featuring Mystique, who's the uh, famous TikTok pianist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've never played a show in America before. This is their f- debut. Dude, that's so sick. Um, uh, Infurious is going to be there. My buddy, uh, he's their, their drummer. Uh, they're a phenomenal deathcore band. We got bands like Victims. We got Con- Convictions, Falsifier, uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere to Call Home is going to be there. Someone in the list, like all of these, just absolute heaters of bands over the course of this three-day festival. And um, well, it's going to be better than when we were young because it's not going to be miserable. And yeah. Bands aren't going to have twenty-minute sets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's going to be super awesome. If you have any way of making it out, of K- out to Kentucky, August 26th through August 28th, definitely do that. You can. I'll, I'm going to be there. Um, I'll be there with uh, all the the whole team. I'm going to be there with the Swamp Squad. Hey, shout out to those homies hey. uh, from the the Traders Discord. And um, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a super cool time. That sounds like just banger, banger, banger. Yeah, it, it is going to be an entire weekend full of just some of the best deathcore music some of the best hangs it, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool we're, we're gonna turn louisville upside down oh yeah no absolutely and that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode of the tentacle bot podcast that it is you can find us on a variety of social medias you can find us on facebook on tiktok on youtube and on instagram, instagram. uh you can also like rate subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast that would super help us out that way you know we could be talking to more than like zach and stewart and I don't know the other like four people that listen to the podcast. I think I, two of my buddies uh, started listening Let's to. Go. Shout out to Joey and Alberto. I love you too. Um, and if you're not listening, you're dead to us. Oh, <laughs> so before, to wrap this up, uh, Joey actually got on my case about the uh, ghost episode. He's like, "Bro, you gave it a three out of eight. Like he just <laughs> ripped in." So, buddy, I love you still, but we'll we'll revisit the ghost record at some point. I'll revisit it right now. It was still good. (laughs) Joey, you're right. Matt, you suck. Anyway, we'll see you later.